0: Hey friends, welcome to Monday, January the 17th and to a new week of 2022. Thanks for joining me for enough for today. We're wrapping up pretty quickly here. Psalm 33, and on this program, we're slow walking through Psalms because Psalms is God's medicine chest for our hearts. It is where we plant our hearts and our emotions. It's a way that we express all of our all of our emotion and spiritual confusion and perplexity and all of it to God. We bring it to him. And it lay it out in the light of His truth and His reality. and he changes us by what we're studying. Psalm 33 is a call to worship. And we've been uh, tracking through this slowly. There's really four or five parts to this psalm. Part one is who we worship. That's verses one. That's verse one. Rejoice in the Lord. Part two would be verses two and three, and that's how we worship. And that's with instruments and singing and skill and loud noise and new songs. Beginning in verse 4 to about verse 19, it's why we worship. And it's all about God's power, his sovereignty, his protection and provision in our lives that we rest in him. He brings the devices of the people, the the counsel of the heathen to naught, devices of the people to none effect. We look around us, we see hopelessness and fearfulness and anxiety on every hand. And when we go to God's word, he rests our hearts. He resolves all that. He says, trust me, I've got this. I've got you. Hope in me. Rest in me. Uh, I'm going to take care of you. All victory, all safety is really ultimately of the Lord. And then verses 20 through 22 are the results of worship. And that's where we're going to look today, verse, beginning in verse 20. We left off on uh, Friday with God delivering their soul from death and keeping them alive in famine, God being our protector and our provider, and we're gonna pick up in verse 20 today the results of worship. Let me just talk to you about uh, the context, bringing it forward into uh, our present reality. You know, these are ancient Hebrew psalms and poems, and life for an ancient Hebrew was every bit as fragile and fluid and, and threatened vulnerable, risky, as our lives are today. And and perhaps more than we can know, even more so. Um, We we are graced with so many modern conveniences and so much um, appearance of security and stability and strength, and yet we've learned the last two years that really uh, society as we know it, culture as we know it, and our own lives, our own health is much more fragile than we really realize. That we're always standing on thin ice, but not with God. And that's why placing your hope in God and trusting Him and standing on Him, standing in Him, waiting on Him, is uh, really where hope is at, true hope. Not fake hope, not just platitudes, uh, you know, uh, self-delusion, emotional hope, fickle, just made up fantasy hope. No, we're talking about a true core, a true substantive hope that really does hold us. And it is real, and it will prove to be real in every depth, every difficulty, every valley of the shadow of death, every hardship. But here's the key. The psalm calls us to avail ourselves of that hope, to remind ourselves of that hope, to preach it to ourselves in song, to play skillfully, to worship. It calls us... In vulnerable, risky, dangerous, societal upheaval, instability times, it calls us in the middle of that to sing joyfully, to worship energetically, uh, to, to place, to elevate God to his place of prominence. My friend, I just want to emphasize to you this is a deliberate choice of faith, it's a choice of the will, it's a choice of priorities. And wherever this podcast or video finds you, I just challenge you to make corporate worship with the people of God, singing the songs of God, opening the Word of God, and letting the truth of God permeate your mind and your soul and shape you. It is uh, powerful. The Word of God, the, the 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 Word of God is alive. It's quick. It's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. And when the Word of God comes into our hearts and minds, it reshapes us, it recalibrates us, it transforms us. The same is true with worship. Uh, I can wake up thinking about all the problems of life, but if I put on, uh, you know, Shane and Shane's Psalms album and I begin to sing those songs, sing those scripture songs, uh, which I'm addicted to those guys, I'm addicted to the scripture songs that they write because they take my heart back to the right place, to God's truth, and, uh, and, and worshiping. I remember when the pandemic started, and forgive me if I've told you this story before, when the pandemic started coming into, we were still kind of shut down here in Connecticut in April and May and early June, and we were having very small gatherings at the church in, in midsummer. Um, but about, I don't know, late April, I went and bought a bike, and I would try to get out for an hour or two every day if the weather permitted all through the spring, summer, and fall until it just got too cold to do so in 2020, I rode that bike. I think my average was probably 60 or 70 miles a week, maybe more. So I was on that bike an hour to two hours a day, sometimes three, and a good portion of that time, I took, I did a lot of things on my cell phone. I, I took some master's classes. I actually got some college credit while I was riding that bike. Um, But uh, at least an hour of that bike ride every day, I would just put on worship music, uh, Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir and Shane and Shane and others, and I would sing. Um, And sometimes to myself, if I was around a crowd of people, I didn't want to seem psycho. But um, I just remember it was like um, wrestling my brain. It was was because culture and fear and anxiety and COVID and all of it was so pervasive and nobody really knew. What we were dealing with, and on one hand it was you know deliberately it was a political plan, and on the other hand it was just an unfolding virus that nobody knew what to do with, and you know just the confusion, and um, it was just it was like a ta- it was like a hostile takeover of my spirit, but getting on that bike and, and worshiping God, forcing my heart and my brain to submit to spiritual realities. Um, was a tremendous exercise. And I, I found out very personally and privately and uh, intimately with God the power of what I'm talking about right now. That uh, you, you might, the, the secular person would say, well, you're just, you know, you're just redirecting your mind and deluding yourself into a fantasy. No, I was subjecting my heart and mind to truth. And that truth has proved unchanging in my life for, uh, since I've known the Lord at age eight, so that would be 44 years. It's proven to be unchanging and stable and rock solid and always predictable. God always comes through. And so the result of worship we see today, and I'm nine minutes in, but look with me at verse 20. Our soul waiteth for the Lord. Now this is the outcome. Think of this, a soul at rest A soul at peace. A soul actively dependent on, sustained by, uh, secure in the Lord. Our soul waiteth on the Lord. This is a healthy soul. This is a flourishing soul. This is a soul that may not be where it wants to be, but it's okay. It's where it needs to be. And it's where uh, it is most nourished and secure and held steady. Our soul waiteth for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. Now, we talked a little bit about this on Friday, but think about the stability. Think about the restfulness, the resolve. I know I have help. I know I have safety. I know that whatever touches me has to come through the hands of my God. And in this, I'm safe. And he's going to secure me one way or another I'm secure. One way or another, I'm provided for. One way or another, I'm delivered. He is my ultimate help, my ultimate shield, my ultimate shelter, my tower, my defense. For our heart shall rejoice in Him. So we started with a call to rejoicing, we rehearsed all the reasons to rejoice. We end verse twenty-one with our heart rejoicing and a future of rejoicing. Like this is a new state of being. No matter what's going on, I can rejoice. I can be joyful. Why? Because we've trusted in His holy name, my friend. Trust is um, when when you when you're getting to know God. Trust is a fearful thing. Trusting Him and obeying Him. Trusting Him and obeying Him. Expressing that faith. But faith is like a muscle that you build. And the more you build it, the stronger it gets, uh, the bigger it gets. And, And the more you trust God, the more you see how trustworthy he is, how reliable, how he really does make a way. He really does resolve the problems. He really does sustain you through them. If you're facing a problem you can't escape today, Then your trust needs to be that God's gonna give you what you need when you need it, that He's gonna meet you there, and He's gonna sustain you through it. And then your trust needs to be at the right time, He's gonna deliver you from it. But one way or another, your trust is in Him because He's gonna be what you need. He's gonna provide what you need. Our hearts shall rejoice in Him because we have trusted in His holy name. Honestly, He's the only one you can trust. He's the only place to, He's the only secure place to put your trust. Everything else is shakable, breakable, fragile, and losable. Everything else. Uh, Everything else can come undone from under you, but God's hand will never be moved from under you. Verse 22, we end this psalm, this wonderful psalm, with a simple prayer. Let thy mercy, O Lord, be upon us, according as we hope in thee. So we've talked about these concepts of mercy and hope Mercy through Jesus means I'm the object of God's pity, His compassion. I should be the object of God's wrath and judgment, but because of Jesus, I could be the object of His mercy. And my God is a merciful God. Scripture says, Lamentation says, His mercies are new every morning. Um, the mercy of the Lord endureth forever. Uh, he is a God of mercy. When God wants to define Himself to you, He doesn't want you to first think judgment and wrath and and terror. He wants you to think mercy. He wants you to think of, of compassionate, loving, motherly, fatherly arms extended to you, reaching out to hold you, to provide for you, to secure you, to save you. And so the prayer is, Lord, give us mercy. It's a humble prayer. It's an admission that, Lord, we are hopeless without your mercy, and every day, all day, we need your mercy. Let thy mercy, O Lord, be upon us. God, I can be at rest. God, the whole world can be flaming out. The whole world can be blowing up and self-destructing. But if your mercy is upon me, then my heart's at rest, and I'm going to hope. I'm going to place my hope in you. Now, my friend, there's a lot of uh, talk of hope today. And uh, most of it's fake, most of it's flimsy, most of it's uh, just not, not very substantive. But when you come to God and you worship him the way this Psalm calls us to worship, when you immerse your heart and your mind and your life and you build your life on him, you have a sure hope. You have a steady hope. You have a perfect and a permanent hope. So stand there today, love him and enjoy him today. Happy new week. We'll see you tomorrow.